Good morning, beautiful church family, on a beautiful sunny day. So, who's a fan of long journeys? <laughs> I just uh, wonder, has anyone had any epic delays on any long journeys? They're, they're the journeys I tend to remember most, the ones that go catastrophically wrong at some point and <laughs> end up being delayed by hours. I, Think of the time when uh, Beth and I, we were child free at this point, we'd had a little holiday in Wales, lovely walking holiday, coastal walks, local fudge, um, good times, <laughs> and I declared in the morning of our return, we will be home for life group this evening. I was driving, I was navigating, Wales to Norwich, it was going to happen. Problem was the Seven Bridge uh, was shut, <laughs> and um, and then when we finally got to the M25, it was rush hour, and I decided in my wisdom that it would be quicker to with that. This was the days of before we had a sat nav as well. I decided in my wisdom that it would be quicker to come off the M25 and drive through central London at rush hour. <laughs> And I added about two extra hours, if not more, onto, uh, onto our journey. And uh, we encountered numerous obstacles in, uh, in central London. But we still made it home for life group. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but today, I mean, I've got lots of other stories of my kind of epic uh, failures in that front. But let's, let's, let's move on to uh, the, 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 the point of this uh, preach this morning. We are continuing our series in Joshua, and God's people, they've sort of finally plucked up the courage to enter the promised land, this land that God had promised them for centuries uh, past, that he would give them this land, this abundant land, flowing with milk and honey and all good things that they could need. And they're in there, they've crossed the Jordan, they're in there, they've surrendered themselves to God. But although they are in the promised land, they are about to come across a significant obstacle. And that obstacle is Jericho. And we're reading this morning in Joshua chapter 6 and up to verse 21. And it says this. Now, the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March round the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Make seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times, with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, make the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and make seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, advance, march round the city 
with an armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forwards, blowing their trumpets, and the Ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the Ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried round the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forwards, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord, while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched round the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day they circled the city seven times. The seventh time round, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared, because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things, so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. When the trumpets sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. There is so much there, and my time is only brief. So I can't possibly cover and you know, exhort us in everything that's in there. So I've just picked a few things to, to bring this morning that I feel God has put on my heart. First of all, we must, we must set the scene. We must realise what Jericho was, who God's people were, their situation at the time. So if we think about the recent history of God's people... In, in the previous few hundred years leading up to this moment, they'd spent hundreds of years in slavery in Egypt, suffering. And then they'd had 40 years wandering around in the desert because they didn't have enough faith to go into the promised land. During that time, that they had been either slaves or dithering in a desert, the Canaanites, the, the people in the land, which... God's people are now in. They have been building an empire. They, with their advanced weaponry, have been conquering their neighbours. They have been worshipping their gods. I think, I think, I think I'm like, are we, how are we doing for little ears? I mean, because they were doing detestable things 
in worship of, of, their, of their gods. Uh, I think I can see some little ears. So I'm, I'm not even, it's so bad what they did, I probably can't even say it in front of little ears. But if you're curious, go to Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 31. And it, and it speaks of, of what they did when they were worshipping their gods. Um, it, it, it's horrific. It, it, um, you know, think, think of the evil empires of this world, the Auschwitzes, the, and, and it, it, it's, it's horrible. And these, these are the people that, that God is calling his people to take on, to enter their land, to take them on in their territory. The, this was an intimidating, evil empire. And God's people have turned up to express his judgment and take the land. If they're going to do it, they're going to have to overcome some serious obstacles. In this text, we see one of the first major ones. It's Jericho. But what is Jericho? It's described as a city. But we need to understand what's going on here because t- two key reasons. When we read about God wiping out a city, firstly, people can find that a challenge to trust in a God who wipes out cities. What, what does that speak about God's love and his goodness? How does wiping out a city fit with God's love and his goodness? Um, we need to really understand and grasp what's ha- actually happening here. And secondly, to apply the relevance of this story to our lives today, we need to understand what Jericho is. And so if if these are some of the questions you wrestle with or you know people who who, who wrestle with, I really recommend this book. It's called The Skeletons in God's Closet, uh, The Mercy of Hell, The Surprise of Judgment and The Hope of Holy War. It's by someone called Joshua Ryan Butler. I found it really helpful. Um, I passed it on to Toby Skipper. He found it really helpful as well. Um, and yeah, if you yeah, so if this is kind of thing, is it speaks to where you're at and your questions, then I, I recommend that. But in this book, uh, Joshua Butler says this: say the word city today, and most of us think of urban centres flooded with civilians. But in the ancient Middle East, things were different. The Old Testament word for city, er, would have to Israel's ears conjured up images of a fortified military garrison. Jericho was the first line of defence, a fort guarding the travel routes up to Jerusalem, Bethel and Ophrah. Civilian populations lived in villages and towns up in the hills. So when Israel utterly destroys a city like Jericho, we should picture a military fort being taken over, not a civilian massacre. It's an important point. So if God's people are going to journey further into this promised land, they're going to have to get past this significant obstacle, this military fort this Jericho. And we, likewise, are on a journey. We've said many times in this series already that Jesus is our promised land. 
In Jesus, all God's promises are yes and amen to us. In Jesus, we have salvation, the forgiveness of our sins, new life with God. And we are part of the renewal of all things. Jesus making all things new until the day he returns when he finally restores the earth to what it was always meant to be. We're part of something amazing in Jesus. And yet, as we live our lives day to day, you know, I know, we face obstacles. We have Jesus' spirit living inside us, yet we face obstacles. And I want to ask you this morning, what is your Jericho? What is blocking your path to a deeper walk into the promised land, a deeper, closer walk with Jesus. Jesus ruling your heart, your life, your days in, in, in just the fullness of all he has for you. Whatever you've experienced of God's grace, of the promises of Jesus fulfilled in your life, there's more for you to grasp hold of. There's more for you to experience. So what is your Jericho this morning? What is blocking your path? Is it busyness? Are you consistently distracted from from what God is saying and doing in your life because you're too busy and preoccupied too much of the time to pay attention to him and to live close to him? I've noticed in my life you know, I'm not even sort of the biggest doer in the world. I'm not someone who would just naturally be busy. But for me, it's in my mind. My mind, I allow my mind to get too busy. I allow my mind to fill with things that aren't that important in the grand scheme of things and distract me from, from God. Is it unbelief? Do you sense deep down that you don't truly believe that God is for you or able to come through for you in a specific circumstance or a specific situation in your life? Is there something that's been there for years and it's just hard and it hasn't changed and it's difficult to keep believing and seeing who God really is? Is it ill health or loss? Are you struggling with a health issue which has been draining you of strength, hope, vision for the future? Are you disappointed with God about some loss or some bad thing that he's allowed to happen in your life? Have you distanced yourself from him as a result Is it pornography or other secret sins? Have you slipped into a destructive habits during the loneliness and increased opportunities of lockdowns? Have you been hiding it from significant people in your life? Have you been avoiding God as a result? That could be a Jericho. Uh, this next one I'm speaking to myself completely is your Jericho self-reliance and perfectionism are you driven 
deep down to prove yourself, to avoid failure and be in control? Do you often stop, or how often do you stop, to lay down your agenda and let God rule your heart and your days? Are you living to build God's kingdom or your own? When it comes down to it, do you trust in your own ability more than God's? Lastly is your Jericho fear. Are there specific people whose opinions you fear? Do you rehearse conversations in your head before they happen so that you're ready with your defences because you're afraid of how this conversation might go? Have you noticed your behaviour is determined by some specific thing that you fear? There are so many potential Jerichos. Those were just a few that that occurred to me, but I just pray now, Holy Spirit, would you reveal to us if there's a Jericho in our life, if there is something this morning just blocking our path to that deeper walk with Jesus, to seeing his promises fulfilled in our lives this morning, in these days we're living in. And I thank you, Lord, that as you bring these things up, it's to knock them down. It's to bring the freedom that people were talking about earlier. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the truth and that the truth sets us free. And so whatever your Jericho may be, there's just a few things I want to pick up from the text this morning that show us how these walls of these Jerichos come tumbling down. So first of all, In verse 2, God says to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Notice, God says, I have. It's the past tense. It's something that's already done. The deal has been sealed. It's a guarantee of victory. There's no question about it happening. It is happening. It's definite. It's just when. It's just the working out that is left. And it's true for us too. Whatever your Jericho is today, you are guaranteed victory in Jesus. It's there for you. You're just going to work it through with God and see him come through and see that victory be fulfilled It's already defeated. As I mentioned earlier, Jesus is in the business of restoring all things. Sometimes a Jericho that that we face, maybe it could be an illness, it could be something, not all, the walls don't always come down in this life. But they will come down. When Jesus returns, every single Jericho wall will fall down and it is so important that we live with heaven's perspective in this it's so easy and I do it myself to sometimes get a little bit down a little bit stuck in the mud a little bit looking within when it's difficult when the wall hasn't yet come down and when we don't see the prospect of it coming down imminently 
And I'll just encourage you this morning, where we set our eyes is vital. God says to, to, to his people, walk around these walls for six days. And he tells Joshua, on the seventh, I'll do something about it. Why are they, why they have to walk around for six days? God could do it on the first day. And likewise with us, it doesn't always happen straight away. Why doesn't God just take this thing away straight away? I'd put it to you that those people walking around those walls for six days, I'd put it to you, God was doing a work in each one of their hearts for each of those six days. For each of those six days, they could be looking at the walls and how big they are and the fighting men stood at the top with their swords and spears and how improbable it is that they're going to bring this down with whatever weapons they've cobbled together in a desert. Or they could be spending those six days having their attention drawn to the Ark of the Covenant, God's presence and power with them. And God is doing a work in each of us. If the Jericho wall is not falling down immediately. It will come down. Heaven's perspective. I just exhort you to start your days looking, believing and praying, God, thank you that this is done. Thank you this will, this victory will come to pass. In this life or the next, it will fuel your faith. It will fill you with hope and it will enable you to walk with joy and endure the more difficult moments. It's a done deal. And as I've alluded to there, faith is active. God is calling us to take action. For those people, it was marching around the walls. And I haven't, yeah, I haven't got time just to go into every single Jericho, potential Jericho that I've named and you know, give every type of action that could possibly be taken to bring the victory. Time doesn't allow it, but this is where it's so good to be in church family, to work things out with brothers and sisters, with friends, with, in life groups. Uh, if it's something weightier than, than, than with elders, with... We need each other. Sometimes it is really hard. And we need each other. And we, God is calling us to take action. Maybe the action, maybe the first step is to talk to someone. Um, maybe, I mean, for me, just thinking of a specific situation where I've needed to take action, I, I think of... During my PGCE year, my Jericho was partly busyness and it was ill health. I had a stomach parasite and I didn't know it. I wasn't diagnosed till halfway through the year. I had loads of time off when I was doing placements in schools. PGCE is trained to be a teacher, for anyone who doesn't know. So I was trained to be a teacher. I was having loads of time off. And I was told halfway through the year, if you have one more day off, you fail the course. And I was brought in front of a panel of the senior big bods who run the course at the UEA, or all the teaching courses, and they told me, stop, come back next year. You're going to fail the course. And I felt God say to me, carry on. 
I had six months to get through without having a single day off when I'd had many days off. It was utterly improbable that I'd get through the rest of the course without having another day off. And so, and as with walking around these walls, what kind of a tactic is that for bringing down walls, walking around? So God, the action that God calls us to take, it's often improbable. It's hard. It's something we look at and go, I can't do that. <laughs> and, and yet, those walls did come down on the seventh day. And I did get through the rest of that year without having a single day off further. And I did pass the course. And furthermore, when I was in my second placement, I was asked to teach a lesson on worship. And I taught a lesson on worship And one of the young people who was in that lesson was inspired by it, went away and looked into it more, started listening to worship music off their own back, joined Kings and became a Christian. And if I had not carried on with that course that year, I wouldn't have taught that young person. There was a victory there. How am I doing for time? Have I only hit 20 minutes or gone over it? <laughs> I've got no idea. Where's the clock out here? Um, We'd like a bit more, Jay. You'd like, you'd, you'd, you'd like a bit more. Um, with, with this, I just wanted to invite Beth up quickly to just to share a, a short bit of testimony um, on, on this, on this um, point of, of taking action. You know, the victory is guaranteed, but we, there's action for us to take. Um, so... Love, if you want to come, do you want to come use this one? I think this is on. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Jamie and I were chatting a bit last night, and um, this, just, this uh, testimony just came back to me. I hadn't thought about it for a while. Um, so first year of uni, which is longer ago than I wish to admit, um, and the first semester was a really lonely time for me. I was just missing home and friends. And um, it was during that time that I started to have some really, really dark thoughts, um, mainly around body image and around my opinion of myself. And um, I recognised them, I identified them, um, but I was really frightened about where they could lead if I didn't get them under wraps. And I couldn't get them under wraps, it was beyond me. Um, My mind was spiralling at that point. And so um, I remember talking to my mum and she said, Pray some scripture over yourself. And I was like, okay. And so um, I chose two verses about my body being the temple of God and being crafted by him and stuck them on my mirror, knowing that I'd look in my mirror twice a day, at least. And every morning in my little university room with the door firmly shut, I prayed those scriptures over myself and uh, every evening as well. And I felt absolutely bonkers to start with doing it. I was glad the door was shut. but what amazed me was over those that next couple of weeks, heaven's mindset took over mine. And those thoughts were silenced by the truth of Jesus. And my soul was restored in that. And it's something I've used many times since. If you come to my house and see scriptures on mirrors or around the house, you'll know why. Um, but it's something that we've done because the word of God's alive and living. And saying it out loud and saying it to myself just made all the difference. Thank you.
Okay. Last, last point. Um, in verse 6, the very first command that Joshua gives to his people, to the army, is take up the Ark of the Covenant. It's the priority of God's presence. That Ark, if you don't know, it, it, it represents God's presence and power in their midst. It's Joshua's first thought before they go marching. Take up the Ark of the Covenant. And similarly for us, we need to make sure that God's presence, I mean, I say it like it's not already, it is God's presence. If you have accepted and trusted Jesus as your saviour and your Lord, then God's presence is right at the centre of your life. But as Beth was just saying, where we put our focus matters. What we're mindful of matters. It can affect our trajectory and our course. And so making sure that we are mindful of God's presence, focusations that we are in. I was really humbled and moved recently listening to an interview with a guy called Rick Warren, who's a church leader in America. Tragically, his, his son died of suicide several years ago. And he was talking about how he walked through that, how he got through it because he lived through really dark days. And so this quote is not one of those cheesy little throwaway Christian quotes. This is coming from someone who has lived through the darkest of days. And, and he said this, and, and, and hear what he's saying here. He said, don't tell God how big your problems are. Tell your problems how big God is. And that's heaven's perspective. Of course we can tell God our problems. Of course he wants us to share our problems with him. But make sure you're telling your problems how big your God is. Make sure you're stirring your own heart and faith and telling yourself how big your God is on a daily basis. And just one final bit of application with that. How can we do that? Prayer and worship. Worship. I remember speaking to Beth's granddad, who was a brilliant, brilliant man. He led a church in rural Cambridgeshire from having a congregation of 30 and dying to a thriving church of 300 plus. And when he was near the end of his life, I sat down with him and asked him, what would someone old and wise like you say to someone young and naive like me and I was expecting some big monologue and he just said one sentence he just said learn how to worship and so when we worship we announce God's powerful conquering presence to ourselves to our Jerichos we stir ourselves and we see those Jericho walls come tumbling down. If Nathan, I was going to say the band, you're it, buddy. <laughs> 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 
It's good to have you. Yeah, I could do that. I could do that. Um, yeah, so we'll 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 land there, and 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 I'll and I'll pray. Father God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, I thank you that we have victory in you. Thank you that whatever obstacles stand in our way this morning, their walls will come crashing down in your power, in your way, in your timing. I thank you that you are with us, that you are strengthening us, that you stir us, give us hope, give us faith and give us vision for each day. I pray that for each one of us here and I pray that you would help us to take the actions necessary in following you. I pray that you would stir us to worship you, to pray to you, to draw on heaven's perspective and power each day as we live with you and I pray that we would see you do mighty things in our midst. I thank you that's not just limited to us sorting our own issues out, I thank you that it extends to sharing your good news and your conquering power in the life of others as well and seeing you bring other people's Jerichos down as well. The Jerichos of the people who we come across in each day I pray that you would embolden us in this. Set a fire in us for this. Help us in this. In Jesus' holy name. For your glory and the coming of your kingdom. Amen.